Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss political hot topics throughout the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on September 6, 2023. So let's get into it. Woo! It's Wednesday, and... Hump day! <laughs> If I'm really honest, it took a lot of digging to decide on what we wanted to dig into for this week, just because it feels like... This week has taken a lot of digging. Let's just, let's just be real, or at least for me, I'm... There just hasn't been a whole lot happening, and so we decided we're going to do a quick rehash. We'll jump into our main content, which we did land on a topic of energy, specifically in Nevada and a couple of things around energy in Nevada. And then we'll get into what broke our brain. So real quick, our rehash, the thing about our rehash is we just, we don't have much of an update on. We are, (laughs) both of our brains went to the same spot. Yeah. And we both did the digging and we couldn't find shit, which means that, you know, we're, we have a problem. We do. We have a problem specifically with this whole teacher raises in Nevada negotiations taking forever. We cannot find anything that says an agreement was landed on yet. And so we're just a over week, here yeah, asking. Yeah, a week ago they're still, they're what still the hell? talking about it. But yeah, we're... How I think we're like a week or two into school at this point. Like, yep. they're teaching our children, and are they going to get back pay for said raises? Are they going to get raises? Like, our whole state legislature, their big thing was, hey, let's, you know, we got to get money for our teachers and, you know, mm-hmm. get the teachers, but now we can't fucking get the money to the teachers. So it's like, oh, well, we just keep moving the money from one accountant's hands to the other accountant's hands, but it never seems to be leaving the accountant's hands. Let's get it into the bank accounts of the teachers. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, it just, it never seems like it leaves. Does the money even exist? Where is this $2 billion you speak of? Yeah, where is it? I want to <laughs> see it. I want to see Fort Knox, okay? <laughs> so that's our rehash. Teachers, let's pay them. Where's the money? No, we know where the money is. Where is the contract? Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, we think we know where the money... Does the money exist? Hopefully it does. Does the money exist? And if slash when it does not, how are we going to establish contracts that still pay teachers with non-existent money? You know... You You get the point we're trying to make here. So when we do get an update on that, we'll be sure to revisit that and let you know about it. But until then, we're going to jump into our main topic, which is on energy, uh, specifically in Nevada. There were a couple of articles put out by the Nevada Current. Uh, There was one on September 1st. There was also another one on August 29th that just... Um, highlighted a couple of things around energy. I do know we've talked about energy before, how we uh, we seem to prioritize natural gas, even though it's extremely expensive. Gas, and gas, <laughs> gas. Our governor 
vetoed the bill that would uh, slowly move us away from that, uh, bringing down prices, but um, he wanted to keep it for the sake of a a more diverse portfolio, even though it takes up 60% of our current portfolio. And today we're just going to talk a little bit more about clean energy in Nevada, clean energy jobs, what that looks like for our state, and also what what that brings historically, you know, within this article, one of the one of the points made was around diversity. Now, I may go out on a limb here and be a bit critical in saying the article title maybe was a, a bit of a stretch in the rest of the content of the article where it did talk about clean energy jobs bring uh, more diverse of a workforce. However, there, there just wasn't a lot of substance to back that. They, well, they, they bring it on a national scale. So nationally, yeah. the job for the workforce is very diverse. They do not, however, present the numbers to say that <laughs> Nevada is a per- perfect microchasm of that. <laughs> Be it, you know, 60% of our workforce is natural gas. Meaning that if you listen to the same article, which likes to say, oh, you know, a lot of the diverse jobs come in energy transmission, solar, and, you know, uh, what was it, water? Wind, or? solar, electric yeah, transmission. Wind. Okay, I, I can tell you the only wind we have in our state is private wind. So <laughs> that's not a job that's happening. Some solar farms exist, but they're minimal. And then mm-hmm. we have transition lines that go from Hoover Dam immediately out of our state. So <laughs> like I, most of our jobs are in, you know, gas, petroleum and coal, yeah. I mean, at least 60%. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, oh yeah, we're diverse though, despite <laughs> those being the non-diverse jobs in this own report. So the article was for lack of a better word, and I noticed this just briefly going through Nevada's current website, but it may or may not have been what these kids are calling as clickbait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe we consider our source for the future, but there were a couple of statistics in there that did actually reference where they were pulled from. Yes. And, you know, something that stuck out to me in this article was around how economists say workers in clean energy jobs earn higher and more equitable wages compared to all workers nationally. And they pulled this from a report by Brookings that said hourly wages for clean energy jobs can exceed national averages by 8 to 19%. So to compare jobs in similar fields, it, it takes a certain level of certification to be able to build and install a solar panel array on a house, mm-hmm. as opposed to being the construction worker building the house. Sure. It takes a different level of general electrical skill to design a working solar panel Mm-hmm. than general electrical circuits. And I only know that because there's chemistry involved. So you need to be a chemical engineer, not just a normal engineer. So mm-hmm. there, there's a certain level of complexity that's inherently built into these jobs. So, yeah. Well, I even think back, Tim, to a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about 
the types of jobs that were being brought into our state and they weren't necessarily the best paying jobs or high skill level well, yeah, jobs. We have, the, we have a hyper banding where it's either yes. super high skilled or no real high skill. And Yeah. And so as we're talking about some of these clean energy jobs, they might be more in that middle ground that that we were talking about how we're missing here in the state. So I think but that's something to But they only account for mind. 40% of the electric, electric energy workforce, so. That's fair. I mean, it, we want to like, make some progress the, here. Yeah, that's the important <laughs> thing that we have to at least keep reminding ourselves is we might have a large amount of diverse jobs in this field, but this field is a small section of our state when we look at the numbers still. I'm going to throw out a couple yeah. other numbers that are here, right? So we have, we've talked about Thacker Pass before, and obviously, <laughs> obviously it, look, some of these clean energy jobs do face some hurdles, right? This, the Thacker Pass faces opposition from some Native American tribes. Wait, okay, are we defining that as clean energy, though? Because I oh, almost define... No, 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 yeah. no, it's lithium. It's a lithium mine, but... Well, but even with the lithium mine, I almost view mining as the... And this is probably just some Nevada bias showing here, but <laughs> petroleum, gas, and coal before I think wind solar and power transmissions lines lines when you like draw those two mm -hmm. comparisons when we're talking the energy sector i don't think mining falls into the green part of that in any way shape or form uh that's my own opinion hey i appreciate that perspective because i don't know shit about mining and what it requires the and destruction so, of the environment that's what it yeah, requires and, or so know, i'm yeah. That that seems to make sense, you know, so you kind of win some, you lose some here is, is my point. And while, like I said, this faces some hurdles from conservationists, 1,500 jobs are what they are alleging are going to come from Thacker Pass with $650 million uh, in investment to make this happen. Okay, but... To and to the other point that I will always raise, because I know how our mining communities work in this state, but who's going to work in that mine? It, I get that there are 1,500 new jobs that are being formed, mm -hmm. but to fill those jobs, you have to be someone who's willing to work in a mine. Yeah. And for any of our viewers who have never even talked to a miner like the stories are horrific and I'm not talking the stories that we're hearing in school. I'm talking the stories that my buddy went through like four years ago where he saw people's arms get dissolved off. Like, what? yes. Cause this is modern day mining. They don't just go down with pickaxes anymore because people got smart. They got scientific. Mm -hmm. So they're going down there with pickaxes and then sulfuric acid because that's mm -hmm. how you get stuff out of rock better. That's mm -hmm. how it was. Specifically, this was a gold mine. And they had just, there are fields of sulfuric acid around minefields. And that's part of why they're so disruptive. With lithium mining, you're, you're going to have this lithium slurry that's essentially just toxic to the environment that, from my understanding, has to be like dehydrated off to get the lithium salt that we can harvest. 
to get that slurry, if it's so hazardous to the environment, you can't tell me that getting it out of the ground is a clean old happy skippy go lucky job. Like, yeah, these aren't easy jobs. So the fifteen hundred. Statistically, I'm going to say that 1,900 of them are just poached from another mine sure. in a different industry, and then the other, you know, 15 or you know 600 that I didn't account for, however many, mm-hmm. are probably going to be just the people that were going to work in those other mines, and now they're working in this mine, but it's still that that pay ban thing where if they're in a mine. A mine is not a good example for this because it it's not making the it's it, it's on that lower pay band, lower a pay wind band job or harmful like, to the environment. Also, um, on Native American land that is considered yeah, it, sacred, <laughs> it, it, it takes it takes a little bit more education to be able to install properly a solar panel and make sure that you're not destroying the house and not burning it down or blowing it up with fire all at the same time. It takes a certain level of, you know, skill and engineering and understanding of environmental factors to place and build a wind turbine in the right areas. It, however, does not take as much brain power to go down into the earth and, you know, hit rocks with a hammer. And I know that that sounds real crude, but mm-hmm. it's kind of that difference. And I, I know plenty of miners, and they're not bad people, but like... Well, it's got to be hard work. It's, it's really hard it, work. Yeah, sorry. I just, I don't like the mine <laughs> idea. All right. So also <laughs> in this article, uh, they reference that the U.S. Department of Energy announced a $2 billion loan to Redwood Materials, which is to build and expand a $3.5 billion battery materials campus in McCarran. Okay, so it says that the company estimates the expansion will create 3,400 construction jobs and 1,600 permanent jobs. So I assume that's actually working at the materials campus. The company also expanded its Story County campus, creating 700 new jobs and $1.1 billion in investments. So, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but... Is a battery materials campus clean energy? Or are we just way yes, off base and, here? <laughs> and that's where they're at least, I've talked with them and I don't, it, it's been a while, so I'm not fully getting this right. They're not doing the full recycling that we need to be doing, but they're starting the process, which is the important thing. Cool. Because they're one of the largest lithium recyclers in the planet. When you talk to most scientists, most scientists will argue a majority of the lithium that we will be using in the future is already out of the ground. Hmm. And that's because we've already put it back into the ground and then in like landfills and things like that. But we already extracted it and it's in a a form. It's just developing better technology to extract it and reuse it or repurpose it and get better, more efficient batteries. The largest problem, which I don't know if Redwood has solved yet, and I hope they have, is there are fields of Teslas that are forming, and there's nothing that we can freaking do about it. Sure. Because when the te- when the battery goes bad, Tesla doesn't have a way of replacing or fixing those batteries in those cars, mm-hmm. and there isn't a viable way that companies have figured out to recycle that lithium either. That's the current struggle that we're trying to get through. Yeah. But Redwood is definitely a better example of 
clean jobs for sure. Cool. Yeah, and and they're working to solve that problem that you yep. just highlighted as well, which is going to be really, really valuable as we're, you know, trying to transition to electric cars, things like that, and require those types of batteries more and more. Any other thoughts on this, Tim, just around jobs specifically in the energy sh- sector in Nevada before we move? I will always bring the conversation back to just nuclear power. Um, The big thing that I at least want to just preface out there is a large amount of the arguments that I continually hear against it are emotional arguments. Yeah, we're just too scared of it, Yeah, we're too scared of it. But the reason why I bring it up is because, at least for my generation, more and more it seems to be the only answer. Because it is just as, if not more efficient than gas and petroleum. Yeah. It's more abundant, and Mm -hmm. yet... And it's less harmful to the environment overall when done properly, but we're afraid of it. So we keep investing in this petroleum and in this gas and we keep seeing our planet just get worse and worse. Yeah, that Chernobyl documentary on HBO, really, uh, it'll get you, you know, and it doesn't do us any, um, doesn't do any justice in getting us to try to move forward with with trying to find better uh, energy technology that it, it's available to us it it already exists it is far cleaner it is well, far we, cleaner the, the science is still needed because to the point that you just made chernobyl is a either a stage one or a stage two reactor which meant that in the overall terms of development of how reactors have been designed and built over the years it was a very early model reactor Mm -hmm. it wasn't Mm -hmm. as safe as the the stage three or the stage fours that we see now they've learned a ton from those incidents exactly even the reactors in japan i believe were only either a stage two or a stage three it's not like yeah fukushima we've Mm -hmm. we're constantly making developments and we're constantly Mm -hmm. learning from this because again it is a dangerous technology if misused yeah Absolutely. The only difference is if it's used properly, it's extremely safe. Whereas gas, petroleum, coal, it's dangerous no matter how you use it. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Call me yeah. crazy. No, it's good. The other part of this. Yeah, let's go to the part... other article because I got some things to say. <laughs> okay. The other part of this energy topic that we're talking about today is around Envy Energy and them implementing a natural disaster protection plan, right? We're talking about this on the heels of the historic town of Lahaina, really burning down in Maui, ultimately due to their downed power lines that happened while they were enduring the hurricane winds. And it just destroyed so much. And so... Here we are, you know, we're currently talking about how do we in Nevada prepare ourselves for some type of disaster so that we don't experience something like Maui experienced. And from here, I I think, well, there was in 2019, to be fair, um, there was legislation passed to implement this natural disaster protection plan. But it doesn't sound like there was a a clearly defined route of how to do this and who will pay for it. 
And it sounds like Nevada Energy is just saying, hey, we're we're actually just going to raise this $2.50 monthly charge to $5 a month and get um, customers to foot the bill in order to build this natural disaster protection plan. Is that how you understood it, Tim? Yeah, they, they want us to pay for the insurance for them slash the plans for them to improve things slash, oh, it makes sense for the customer to have to pay for this improvement to, you know, the overall uh, energy sector. Envy Energy is arguing that customers need to pay this because it's a statewide benefit that they would be providing to us Nevadans. Uh, but then it says uh, they admitted that a disaster in the north would have no measurable effect on local economies elsewhere, which is interesting. And this was my favorite part of all of this. Attorneys for <laughs> the gaming industry argued that the utility is meeting its obligation to mitigate wildfires, not providing a statewide benefit. And they argued against these subsidies to customers. So, Tim, I know you have some thoughts on this. I'm ready to hear them. First of all, the <laughs> analysis that was presented to the commission in support of this was by a Mr. Jeremy Aguero of Applied Analysis. Does this sound familiar to our listeners? Wait, I have, wait, is yep. this the dude for the stadium? Yes, this is no. the same dude from the stadium. This How is, is the he same testifying on blockchain. behalf of everyone? <laughs> so I, oh I saw God. something a little while ago, and I'm not going to get into the specifics of what's going on, uh -huh. but someone was able to find something in some big reports financially of a company where company kept reporting a number. Number after a while didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. investigating the source of the number, and it comes from a company that more or less promises to always guarantee that number out of a statistical test. Like, their thing is, yes, we will do surveys and get you a 98% approval rating. That is oh, our job. My like, God. they do not actually advertise. They don't do anything other than run a survey and give you a 98% approval rating. And that is their whole gig. Oh so my if God. you take that model and uh -huh. you take that like application, I bet you applied analysis is some large economic analysis firm in this state where their main model or their main shtick is like, Hey, if you need us to like make it work for you, will make it work for you. Oh and they'll God. like make the numbers work. Cause all the analysis around what he was saying was like, the analysis is overly simplistic. <laughs> it doesn't give any of the justification that's needed. It doesn't it necessarily says, like, uh, they divided the metrics of GDP property values and tourism by the total NDPP spend with that's the natural disaster protection plan of $1.7 billion to find a break even point. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> what is where, the quantified benefit of tourism in the state of Nevada? How do you get that number? Well, and that, and that's the other thing you have to both factor in the quantified benefit of tourism and how, possible natural disasters may affect that tourism and then how that 
tourism may affect our overall energy needs in the state mm -hmm. because uh news flash but if you drive past a casino with all the resort rooms they're still keeping the power on even if the rooms aren't full mm -hmm. like it, it's not like there's a large cost increase from a person being in the room sure. versus a person not occupying the room yes there's less but the overall cost, especially when you look from a tourism standpoint, there isn't much of a change. There's sure. a much larger impact to tourism from like our gaming commission or our actual tourism board. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, but they have absolutely no say or no <laughs> like they can't argue that for this energy thing. Something that I want to point out is that Envy Energy has consistently pulled a revenue of about three billion dollars. Over profit? the last couple of years? Yeah. Profit. Well, no, just revenue. Okay. I can't find profit numbers. All right. With that being said, if you're making $3 billion and there are only, what, like 3 million people in the state? Yep. That means you're making 1000 bucks of head. Yeah, that's insane. And you're telling me that, like, you don't have enough money somewhere to justify this increase like they're charging everyone an extra two dollars and fifty cents based on the math that i just put out like they're making an extra i don't even know what that math is but they're they're adding more money on top of that thousand dollars that they're already making for every person yeah and obviously a lot of that i i think it makes sense as to why it's the gaming industry lawyers that are speaking up about this because they obviously use a tremendous amount of energy within our state. Yeah, but they're going to end up paying more. And it's, again, it, there isn't an effective tour. Like, the the argument for tourism doesn't make it, – it makes entire sense of why they're arguing against this. Because they're ending up uh -huh. having to pay more, and we're not actually seeing the benefit at the end of the day. Because we've already seen these rate hikes over the last couple of years. We've already seen yep. rate increases before promised rate increases before this passed the commission last week or whatever this passed a week or two ago we already had these promised rate hikes in 2024 and so on like we already knew it was going to cost more mm -hmm. it's already costing families more like yeah we need the insurance and we need to make sure that our state's protected from these natural disasters but the money's already there in the fucking system if you're walking away with three billion dollars every single year like we need to quit robbing the bottom to pay the top like i i know that their ceo is getting paid way too much because right. that's way overinflated and at this point they are overcharging customers customers yeah. have gone without power for 72 hours in northern regions we know that and yeah it doesn't affect the rate of the state because they don't give a shit they've shown in the past that they just will let the power go out and just oh oh yeah we're doing something for it but like yeah they don't affect the rate by the power going out in northern nevada because they don't care if the power goes out in northern nevada like yeah, and it's just also, like, when you think about it from a product standpoint, what they're essentially saying is, customers, we're going to charge you more to improve our current technology structure, right? So we're, let's say, you know, talking about Hawaii, let's say we've got all these power lines and we know we should put them underground because it's way safer to do that. It's going to cost some money to do this, why 
is why are the customers footing the bill for a company to mitigate risk of a disaster, right? Like here we are. There's a, I know there's already not a even bunch just of, of a disaster of the failure of their own product. Let's not even right. just call yeah, it a I disaster. That. I think Let's that makes so much sense. Let's just call it a failure of their product. Like yeah. if their product fails, they are saying, okay, you as the customer are responsible if it mm-hmm. fails on us. That's just insane to me. A company and should continue to innovate would, their product. <laughs> I would argue that for a public or for a private company, there are such things as warranties. They they yeah. do have the responsibility to rep back their product for so long before a failure is the customer's responsibility. But for a public fucking utility, I'm sorry. I like I it shouldn't be on the customer. It should be on the utility because it's a public utility. Mm-hmm. If the post office can't hire enough people, they're not telling me, oh, hey, I have to pay more for postage. Like, yeah, they, they do raise postage by like a cent, but they're first going to fucking Congress and saying, hey, we don't have enough people to do our job. We need more money. Like, But here's the thing, right? We've already talked about this, too. They are already making more money by continuing to use an energy source that we need to get away from, from a clean energy perspective and an affordability standpoint. So what the hell are they doing with all that money uh, from all this natural gas usage that they're continuing to use when they could be investing it in this? I think I, as a, a consumer or a customer expect to pay a utility i pay this bill every single month not in hopes that all my shit around me doesn't catch on fire but to provide a service and guess what if something goes wrong company that's on you because you did not create a product that is truly uh, effective or quality yeah, and nv energy is a public entity so or a public utility so i i mm-hmm. fully back up what i said like it's yeah there, if it's public, it's in my opinion. I don't know if it's legally this way. It's my own opinion, but it should be not for profit, which means, you know, the money should be being invested back. There shouldn't be reports of your CEO walking away with large bonuses when there are rate hikes. You know, like, yeah, it, it just it it shouldn't be happening. My energy bill is too damn high for this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's at least talk about some of the other things that are happening in our state beyond these dipshit idiot economist. <laughs> I want the stadium. Oh no, I mean I want green money or Oh whatever my god. This Can I just say if we ever see this guy's name again, we just need to call it out every time. Aguero. That's what I am doing. That's actually what I'm doing. I know I'm you sorry. Did. You did it. Great. Um <laughs> I will be because he pisses me off. But so there are some initiatives, at least that have happened locally that are in the right direction that we should talk about. The city of Reno in 2021 passed a green tracking initiative where they were working with a company who has currently been rebranded. So I'm going to talk about the rebranding, not their old one, but they are called N0. They're headquartered in Reno and their main goal is developing technology or Uh, computer technology to track carbon emissions and carbon cost and how the city's using it and producing it in the effort of reducing those emissions and saving money overall. 
Has it actually worked yet? I don't actually know, but <laughs> I know we've at least started that initiative and we were one of the first cities in the nation to do that. Cool. That's out of Reno itself. And then on a statewide, we've in May, we had the Biden administration through the Department of the Interior push a huge power line initiative through the BLM that's essentially going to connect Vegas to Reno. Wow. And in doing that and building those power lines, they'll be building power stations in all of the various counties to offer different green energy jobs to fuel those power stations to keep the power continual along that path so that there is eventually some things going on there. So there are some Is that all NV energy as well, though? Well, that's through BLM and the Department of the Interior. So I presume they'll work. Yeah, I I don't know. Because I know NV energy is also Vegas. It's up here. So, I mean, they pretty much have a monopoly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I presume it will be through them, but I don't know, so I'm not going to say that. But, sure. you know, there there are projects that are going in the right direction in our state outside of some grubby, greedy, dumb hands. <laughs> well, thank you, Tim, for that update and the, the good positive news on energy in our state. So now let's go to what broke our brains this week. You want to go first? Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. Okay. I can. So, uh, mine, I'm like, it, it goes in the same lines of what we've been talking about before, but this one's more of just, I'm going to make it a political broke my brain so that it's, it's fun for our state. But okay, cool. it started with a photo of McConnell opening con or opening <sighs> the Senate during the last Senate. And then a photo of him opening the Senate during this Senate. Didn't and it showed like, me this picture yesterday. Yeah. Like he doesn't look too great. Okay. But then gaunt, on, frail. Yeah. Yeah, but then like an article or two after I was reading that one, I come across an article where it's like, oh yeah, and by the way, Amade's declared he's running for re-election in twenty-four, and I'm like, one, he's old and he's frail. Uh, just to put some things into perspective, or where I was like, oh, are you kidding me? So, uh, Mark Amade is sixty-five. Like, it, he's not young. And he's is still going for re-election again after the House Republican majority leader just came out and said he has melanoma that he's fighting. Yeah. You know, after we know for a fact that Amade went through some terms. But really what broke my brain is, what the fuck are the Republicans going to do in this state? Because I know that they were prepping some, like, key Republicans to run for his seat. And Interesting. now he's running against. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on with you people? Like... Yeah. I just, it's more curious to me than anything, because... Like, why stay in it at that point? Yeah, like, why why keep holding on when you're, the most you have to your name is that you're a chair of a subcommittee. Like, dude, you're in the fucking majority party. Do better. You've been there for fucking 12 years. Like, I'm sorry. Just... Not only that, but also, like, if you're ill... You know, when you're older, I don't know. I'd want to, like, live my life a bit and have some quality time with those I care about and love, you know? I don't know. Or, well, I mean, you could be like McConnell and just forget about the quality time anyway, so. (laughs) Like, I just... So, yeah, my brain's broken mostly because of reading that. I'm more of like, wait, so what are they going to do? <laughs> That'd be curious for 24. No, I'll be interesting to see now. The pr- the problem with term limits, 
limits for Congress, and I'll say this time and time again, even though fundamentally I hate them and I don't believe them, and I think our founding fathers designed elections to be term limits, post-Citizen United, they are required. However, well, they... Dude, they didn't think that people would live as long as they're living now. They're like, yeah, they'll be in office in their 40s and 50s and then they'll get the hell out of there. It's not even just that, but it's also uh, uh, Citizens United is a large part of it. They didn't think that influence of one person would be so powerful. They thought that elections would actually be a lot more pluralist than they are. There, There are a lot of factors that are playing into this. I'm not sure how Citizens United plays into that because that is all money thing. But Well, it, it's money, but it's money to get influence. So prior to that, it was much less money going into it. Sure. So it was, there was a more plurality in the electorate because they, they were less influenced is sure. the argument there. So the, uh, the incumbents have a lot more opportunity to remain in power now because people want to keep them there and just throw yeah. money. Yep, those with a name, the name goes further yeah. in a television ad than it did before because there's a lot more money behind the name in the television ad. But what yeah. you said is also a part of it, too. Mm-hmm. So we need term limits. Term limits have become damn near impossible in the modern age and with Citizens United. A lot of things, people are too old. But at the end of the day, Congress would be the ones who pass the term limits on themselves. And they're never going to do it. It's just never going to happen. Yep. You're never, it's, it's really hard to, as is, it's also hard to justify the same reason why we'll probably never see a full-time legislature in our state is because They'd have to it vote looks, it. it looks really bad to vote for a raise for yourself or vote for a full-time job Are for you yourself. you kidding me? They do that all the time. They literally vote to raise their, their salaries constantly, both at federal level and state level. Yes, but it happens more at a federal level, and yeah, you can, and that's I'm I'm making the different arguments, but that's on the state level because it's they're voting for a pay increase by going full time, and that's just by in, inherent default it costs way more. Yeah, and the a lot of them would, would lose election. They don't yeah. want to push for that. On the flip side, term limits would actually just bar a lot of them out of office, yeah. and they wouldn't like that. It'd be a. a- Popular talking point, but never actually executable, truly. I'll go into my broke my brain, so... Yeah, what do you got? It's not political, surprisingly, and it's going to show my age a little bit, but uh, I remember being 16 years old, maybe I was probably between 16 and 18, honestly. I remember, (laughs) I remember when... (laughs) So that would put us probably close to 2000, okay? And I went with a friend to a Ford dealership because, like, they were taking a car to have it serviced or whatever. And I remember oogling a brand-new Mustang that was sitting on the lot, and it was listed for, like, $22,000 brand-new. That would have been a 2000 Mustang, though. Okay, but still, okay, let me have this. All right, all right, Uh, all right. So even then, even then I thought to myself, oh, that's affordable. I could probably get a $20,000 car. And I was talking to a coworker today who's doing some car shopping 
and specifically used car shopping. And he was talking about looking at challengers and chargers, which I love those models. That's from, what he was talking about. Yes, okay. that's what he was talking about. From 2010 and 2014 were the models that he's looking at. And because I was like, oh, I was telling him, you're probably just going to go get a new car. You know, I was like, why do you even want a car? You have a truck. And basically he wants to go fast is, <laughs> is what I got at. But ain't nothing wrong with that. No. So I asked him, I said, hey, like, what? what's the price point on these challengers that you're looking at or the chargers from 2010, 2013? And he said, $24,000. And I couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that a car more than a decade old could sell right now for $24,000. More than a brand new Mustang from when I was 16 years old to buy it off the lot, it just made my brain explode. And a lot of that is because of part shortages, uh, the whole chips thing with electronics, the chip shortage. It has caused the price of used cars to just skyrocket. And so... I just thought I'd share that because I couldn't believe that somebody was willing to pay that much money for an old vehicle. That's not even like, I don't know, it's not like a classic car, you know, like uh, even then Jesus I feel like you get a classic Christ. car for cheaper than that. Yeah, because I just, I just looked up, I just looked up the Kelly Blue Book's value for my own car. Mm-hmm. Damn. He's not good. He's not good. <laughs> He's not good at all. <laughs> but then I look at the price of new cars and I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to ride my car until it, it starts just putting out black smoke and then it's getting sold to some high schooler. There you go. That's what you do. All yep. right. Let's wrap yep. this thing up. All right. Well, um. Yeah, this week was, I'd like to tell our listeners to go out and create some news, but that might create some other problems. So don't go out and create news. No, uh, don't, don't but, tell people to go. Yeah, no, <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> don't go create news, but. Yeah, let's didn't hope the, that, the Proud Boys guy, he just got 22 years for orchestrating the insurrection, right? <laughs> And I just saw a photo of him with like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and I'm oh, like, God, God, I hate this. Oh my God! It's just such a club of just. Uh, uh, regardless, <laughs> come back next week where yeah. hopefully something has happened. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully have some we can good talk news about for some you. Nevada news, more things, good things. Um, we're on some podcast things like Apple Podcasts, Spotify iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Podcasts. All five. Hey, hey, there we go. Uh, where, where are suggestions getting sent to? You what can are... email us any suggestions, questions, feedback. If we lied to you, you can email um, us at hello at 
nvpoliticspodcast.com. I just had a brain fart. But then I got it. I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm well. trailing off, but hey. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Send us the stuff. Keep listening. Same place, same time. Bye. Bye.